Welcome to the Competitive Advantage Podcast. The mission of this podcast is to provide free content to prepare high school students for the path of life, thus giving them a competitive advantage. Archbishop Alter High School is proud to serve as your host for this program. Well, I am really fortunate to be with Beth Weller today, who's a senior vice president with Falgren Mortine. And uh, Beth has a 20-year background uh, in PR, combining experience from public relations, marketing firms, working in public affairs, crisis communication, media training, environmental communications, community outreach, and a lot of other areas. She's active in the Dayton community, serving on the board of trustees for Sinclair Community College. She's a member of the Board of Governors for Leadership Dayton and is an associate board member for the Dayton Art Institute. She's a 2013 Dayton Daily News Top 10 Woman, a Dayton YWCA 2011 Woman of Influence, and has been honored by the Dayton Business Journal in its 40 Under 40 program. So again, really fortunate to be able to spend some time with Beth and want to welcome you to the Competitive Advantage podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Good. Well, I just want to kind of jump right in. Um, Every... Everybody, every company has an image that they want to project. And so for a high school student that's trying to figure this out, how do they even begin to identify their personal brand? Well, of course, everyone has a personal brand just like a company has a brand. And what I always recommend individuals when they're trying to identify what their brand is, is quite simply to ask other people but you don't ask other people what's my brand Mm -hmm. you ask other people when you think about me what are the three or five adjectives or descriptors that come to mind and um, what what is it that that people say when they describe who i am or how i behave in this situation or that situation now, that's kind of an uncomfortable question for people to ask other people. Right. I get that, right? <laughs> yeah, like, how, um, what do you think about me when you think of me? <laughs> but that's what we say is uh, a person's brand or reputation is what people say about uh, what people say about you when you're not in the room. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in any sort of a nefarious way. So when someone's trying to identify their brand, I encourage them to think about half a dozen people, no more than 10, but at least five, who know them, if you will, in different atmospheres or arenas. So a young person might think of a teacher Mm -hmm. and a coach, someone from a church or a community project that they're involved in, uh, the friends of a parent, but also some peers. So maybe a student who knows them uh, through academic settings, but Mm -hmm. also maybe a student who knows them through extracurricular settings. And prepare uh, a couple of sentences and a question that says, I'm I'm really trying to understand my best self. Okay. And in order to do that, I'd, I'd really like to know what you think are my my best characteristics and uh, the best description of the person I am and share this with me in writing and here's a note card and here's an envelope and uh, you know send it back to me when you when you have a chance you could ask them to email it as well I I know not everybody uses (laughs) or text (laughs) Um, but when you 
when you think about people who have your best interests at heart, and those are the people you want to identify, and ask them to do that, nine out of 10 times they will. Because you're not asking someone to share negative feedback. Mm -hmm. You're asking them, who is my best self? What are the characteristics that, that really define me? And then when you get that input, I think you'll start to see some themes and you'll start to understand the brand that you currently have. It might be quiet, it might be confident, mm -hmm. it might be funny, it might be very well read. You, you might be surprised, but here's what we know about most people. The, the thing about ourselves, the attribute or the characteristic that we think other people don't recognize or realize is in fact the primary thing that other people recognize and realize. So there might be a few surprises, but in general, I don't think people are all that surprised. So again, identify a handful of people mm -hmm. who have your best interest in heart okay. and ask them to, not in the conversation, but in follow-up, share with you a half a dozen uh, characteristics or descriptors of, of who you are. So you get this list, you get this list of, you know, 10 attributes or 12 attributes mm -hmm. or five attributes that these five or 10 people put together for you. And you can look down the list and you might see some common th threads. Yes. What do you, what do you do with those outliers or there, you know, the one person sees that you're a great leader, but nobody else says that you're a great leader. What if, what if you're excited about the fact that somebody sees you a great leader and you'd like to be recognized as a leader and that's something you want to do. Like, how do you, how do you sort through all that stuff? Well, that's a great question. And, and one of the things that, that I often coach people and I believe myself is that we have to act the way we want to be. Okay. So if we want to be a great leader, we have to act as a great leader. If we want to be a great listener, we have to act as a great listener. So you have to practice whatever that is. So if you see an outlier that you want to be, that's mm -hmm. a positive, then, you know, some understanding of, of what that is. What is a great leader? What is a great listener? What is a great team builder? What is a great peacemaker, you know, consensus builder, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. What are the characteristics of those people well, that's what I want to be, so that's how I'm going to conduct myself. That's how I'm going to act. So what about the flip? So here's a kid that they've, they've got these attributes, they look at it, they say, wow, that's that's awesome. Like gives them the excitement that this is their brand, how they're seen positively. What about, is there an opportunity to go back to those same people and say, now I'm gonna ask you a really tough question. Can you, can you share a weakness or yes. two with me? What are some areas where you think I could be stronger? Mm -hmm. You know, let's let's phrase the question in a positive right, way, right. right? What are some areas where you think I could be stronger? Mm -hmm. And you and I know that that in the adult world, this happens in the form of performance reviews. Yep. And in the student world, I'm not sure it always comes out in the in the report cards or the grades that you get. Um, so again, those those half a dozen people that you can trust to be honest with you. Where do you think I could could strengthen, could improve myself? Nine times out of ten, they're going to be honest. Yeah, they'll be gentle. Mm -hmm. So if you hear something that's a little bit gentle, you might say, "Okay, I'm really going to grab onto that." They said that I could probably work on on being a better listener. 
I'm going to take that very seriously and I'm going to understand what it really means to be a better listener and, and, you know, YouTube that and, and, and understand what those skills are. Wow. That's great. Great stuff. So, okay. So now they have this brand. They've, 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 they've pulled their, their community of people. They have this list of stuff. They like what they see. They've, you know, pared it down and now they want to protect it. And for a high school kid, this is tough because they have to protect it in person. And then they also have this giant animal called social media. So they got to protect this brand online. How do they protect their brand? Well, um, and I, and I, I think that social media is, is a really difficult place to do that because it's, 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 you know, it's forever. It, 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 yes, it is forever, and it's that shiny object. Yeah. Right? So you go on social media, and your friends are all sharing this or liking this or posting or commenting or whatever, and it's funny to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not critical at all if you find something funny that maybe isn't in line with the brand you want to project to the world, but you can like it. Or retweet it or share it, and yes, then all of a exactly. sudden it becomes you. Right. So if you want to see it and chuckle about it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if it's off brand for you, yeah, you can't share it. You can't like it. It is forever. And that is the way a lot of young people, and by young, gosh, Rick, I'm talking like under 30 now, right? Oh, right. Um, yeah, I've got a seventh grader who I'm constantly monitoring his Instagram account because I want to make sure he's protecting his brand. And he doesn't even have a brand yet. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have a high school senior, and I've had the same conversation with him really ever since he started living in the the digital sphere. Mm -hmm. It is forever. And people people who you don't even know Mm -hmm. are watching you and paying attention to you. And people that you're going to meet five years from now are going to go and look at that social media footprint. We really don't know what the social media footprint is going to be in five or ten years. Right. But sometimes maybe the easiest way to think about it is there are some people who know that blue is their color, okay. let's say. Um, and so they always navigate to a blue shirt or uh, a blue car or a blue headband or whatever. And they know that they look good in blue and they feel good in blue. They feel confident in blue. It's their power color. And so they would never stray away from blue to wear yellow. It's not their color. They don't look good. They don't feel powerful in it. It's the same thing with the activities. You know the activities. You know the associations you want to be connected with and those that aren't going to help you be that brand you want to be. So, okay, so now I'm I'm the typical high school kid. I I retweeted something. I posted something I should have. I took it down, but it's too late. Somebody screenshotted it, and, and now it's viral, I guess is the word. It's going viral in my network. So I've tarnished my brand. Um, What do they do? You know, boy, there's a wide range of circumstances there. Um, First of all, I would talk to my parents uh, because parents do, in fact, have have wisdom of the ages. Mm -hmm. But this is the advice that we give to individuals and companies that we work with. If you if you mess up, Mm -hmm. fess up and fix it. Great. And then don't do it again. Mm -hmm. Because human beings will forgive people once, maybe twice, but after twice, it's not an accident, it's not a slip up, 
It's, it's, a, it's a habit. It's a pattern of behavior. It's a pattern of behavior. Yeah. It's an intention. So if you've done it and you've taken it down, figure out who might have been hurt by it, confess, you know, own it, mm -hmm. apologize, and move on. And and I think that I, I think that advice uh, is good for so many things. When you mess up, because people mess up. Mm -hmm. Kids, adults, and people mess up on social media, and they mess up in every walk of life. Own it, apologize, and quit doing it. Yeah. Mess up, fess up, and fix it. I like that. Exactly. So, um, again, staying with our high school student example, so peer pressure, it's real. And maybe they they don't mess up, but peer pressure is rough. It, they're, it's be and I want to say no. I, I want to say no to something that I see is, is wrong or somebody, maybe one of my friends posted something and I want to call them out on it um, or I'm getting pressure to, oh, you got to like this, you got to like this. How, how, how do you say no to something you know is going to hurt? I mean, do you have advice for somebody like how to say no? I, it, often with young people um, where the peer pressure I do think is much greater mm -hmm. than when you're in your 30s or 40s. I suggest trying humor. Uh, you know, you got to get in on this. That is so stupid. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to like it, retweet it, post it, share it, whatever. You guys, you're a bunch of idiots. Now, I know, Rick, that might sound harsh, but I think, and this is the advice I've given my son, if you use humor, then, you know, it allows you sort of the soft outing that maybe you're not taking it so seriously mm -hmm. uh, that that you have all the confidence yeah. in the world and you look at that and you're like, that's ridiculous, I'm not gonna do that. I also tell my son, I said, make me, make me the bad guy. Uh, always, always <laughs> I'm happy, the I'm the heavy, guys. you know? Yeah, yeah. My, yeah. My, my, my dad that, will kill me, you yeah, know? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose my screens right. for two months or whatever. Yeah, I think both of those. Well, good, that, that's very helpful. Um, so I'm going to jump, jump topics a little bit. So students, they're interviewing for jobs, they're interviewing for scholarships, college entrance, special programs that they're trying to get into. Um, what advice would you provide them for answering questions kind of in that interview setting? Well, I think, <laughs> and I'm guilty of this too, Rick, <laughs> I, I think where most of us in this country get get lost in, in interviewing situations is we don't get to the point fast enough. Mm. And the advice I give anybody when they're in an interview situation is not to treat it like a conversation with a friend. Because in a conversation with a friend, you can give all the backstory and all the detail and all the he said, she said, and I did, and then they did, and then I went, and then she went. You can't do that <laughs> in an interview, right. right? So in an interview, when you get asked a question, uh, how many hours a week can you work? or why do you think you're interested in volunteering at the Humane Society? The answer has to be short, positive, and to the point. And the only way that you can have that short, positive, to the point answer is to spend anywhere from 10 minutes to a couple of hours prior to that conversation thinking about what are they gonna ask me? I'm going in here to interview to be a volunteer at the Humane Society, what are they gonna ask me? I'm going in, for, in here for a National Honor Society interview. What are the questions they're gonna ask me? Well, if it's National Honor Society, you know they're gonna ask you about service, leadership, character, 
in scholarship. Correct. So what are the what are the questions going to be, and how am I going to talk about my service, my leadership, my scholarship, uh, my character? Yeah, when I was a recruiter, I used to always tell my candidates, know the answers to the questions. Exactly. If you know the answers to the questions before you go in, you can kind of preempt that stuff. Yeah. What about the phrase, um, somebody who was a really good speech uh, writer said, be, be good, be brief, uh -huh. and be done. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Sort of fits that mold a little bit, doesn't it? Be good, be brief, be done. Be brief and be done. But adult interactions are tough. I mean, for a kid, you know, it's intimidating. It I is. think you said that. Um, so when they're talking to adults, especially people they've never met before, are there any little tips or tricks that you have for them to kind of be comfortable in that kind of setting? Hmm. One thing that I, that I always encourage young people to do is to really make sure they maintain eye contact. Yeah. That shows a confidence, and most adults that are in a, going to be in a position to talk to a young person to interview for a job or a scholarship or whatever, they want that young person to succeed. They're not there to be intimidating or, you know, have some sort of a scary... You know, when you were with us for some PR training one time, you talked a little bit about body language, and I think that would be a, kind of a, a play on this, would be... You know, there's there's closed body language, there's open body language, there's confident body language, um, there's the use of hand gestures. I mean, expand on that because I think that plays into a, sometimes allowing a, a student or an individual to become more comfortable in, in a situation like that. Well, that's an excellent point. You're absolutely right. Again, it's not really like a conversation with a friend, mm -hmm. right? Right. If you were having a conversation with a friend, you both might be sitting back, relaxing in your chairs. You know, maybe a foot up on the next chair, uh, maybe your arms are crossed. But when you're trying to present yourself and your brand, you want to be seated forward in your chair. You want to be leaning into the conversation, mm -hmm. such as I am with you right now. Right. If you're standing, you want to stand with your feet about hips width apart. You know, if you keep your hands yeah. to your side, if you can, maybe a hand on the hip. Maintain that eye contact in an open body position. There is so much evidence that says, uh, even subconsciously, we are taking in the nonverbal cues of another person. And a person who won't maintain eye contact has close, has a closed body stance, uh, is all twisted up like a pretzel, is uncomfortable, is nervous, is closed off, doesn't want to be there. And and these are hard things I know for mm -hmm. people who aren't accustomed to it, for people who who for whatever reason aren't comfortable in these situations. And the only way anybody, young person, older person, is going to get more comfortable is to do it more often. Right. So that young person who wants to be more comfortable in that situation has to put themselves in that situation right. more often. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You have to be, you have to act, I'm sorry, the way you want to be. So that young person who maybe hasn't had that much experience with adults needs to find ways to get experience with adults. You know, maybe it's a church, maybe it's volunteering to help with the coaches on their team. And so when all the other kids are after practice or going home, maybe he or she is sticking around to help pick up the equipment. Yeah, maybe it sounds nerdy. But the more exposure that you have to adults, the more comfortable you're going to be. Sure. It's just that simple. I love, I mean, even these apps that we can use to record conversations, ask yourself or have somebody ask you a yes. question, 
repeat the question, listen to yourself on, on tape, you might all of a sudden change the way you're speaking, the excitement in your voice, the, the things you're doing. Exactly. You might recognize some things that like, wow, I don't, do I really sound like that? Mm -hmm. Do I really look like that? Yes. You know, the, the mirror, yes. do the speech in front of a mirror right. kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So the interview, so we've kind of, we're, we're, we're a little bit back and forth between an interview and, and a presentation. Mm -hmm. How do you delineate, delineate the difference between the things you might do in an interview setting versus what you might do in a presentation setting? Well, often in a presentation, right, it's not a question and an answer. It's not a give and take. Uh, and, and you don't always have the same cues from the audience that you do in an interview setting. And I, I have a couple of key techniques that I suggest for presentation. And the first is start fast and strong. Because almost anything that comes in the middle is not as important as the opening. Correct. Start fast with energy and a key point and get it out there. And then end strong. It's not exactly tell them what you're going to tell them, then tell them, then tell them what you told them. But it's kind of like that. And yeah. I'm working with um, a bunch of high school juniors and seniors right now in some competitive presentation. And that's exactly the advice I'm giving them. When you come in, say to the judge that you're presenting to, this is who we are, and this is the presentation we're going to make to you today. And then fill in all that detail, and then at the end, summarize it and finish strong. And so this, the start has to the start in a presentation has to be fast. Have you ever read the book Talk Like Ted? It's a great. It's on my nightstand. Oh, it's a great book. It and it all the scientific background between by for the reason why TED Talks are 18 minutes long and just the secrets of the most successful TED Talks ever and the threads that kind of weave between them. So it, you're going to love it. I almost want to do a separate episode sometime down the road after you're done reading it because okay. I think we could talk a lot about some of the things that are in that book. Great. So um, so in your professional experience, getting to the point is, you know, you said start fast and finish strong. Getting to the point is important. Um, how do they kind of whether it's speech or writing, how, how do people get to the point faster? Because sometimes you listen to a story. I think you talked about this one time. You talked about a great uh, trip to Italy story one time. I think that kind of exemplifies this point. Expand on that a little bit. Maybe tell the story. Well, I'm not going to tell the story because the person I tell the story about someday might listen to this podcast. That's true. Okay. <laughs> we'll, protect the, we'll protect those. Um, but... You know, it goes back to what you were talking about, about anticipating the questions. Okay. And if I can spend even five minutes anticipating the questions, what's the answer to that question in five words or less or ten words or less? Oh, yeah. I, I once worked with a fella who said, if you can't answer the question standing on one foot, the answer is too long. Oh, now, wow. Yeah. Don't say that to my yogi friends. Right. They, they would do it. Yeah, yes, they'll, exactly. they'll, tell you, <laughs> they'll tell you a long story. Um, but, but whether you're in an interview setting or doing a question and answer in a presentation, as few words as possible, but powerful and bold and energetic words, short answers, mm -hmm. and then stop talking. Mm -hmm. Because if what, if, if what you've said in your first answer is interesting and appealing, they'll ask for more. Well, what do you mean? Well, tell me more. Well, what did she do next? Mm -hmm. Well, what happened after that? And, and then you've actually got a conversation instead of, you know, sort of a one-person monologue. Yeah. So short answers, bold, uh, energetic words. And when you're writing, 
And I, I find this to be true, with, uh, particularly with younger people, a lot of unnecessary words. You don't need that word. It doesn't add to the sentence. Uh, and I also do some editing uh, for some high school students in the area. And most of my editing is removing unnecessary words. If the, words, if the word in the sentence isn't doing any, any work that isn't being done by another word, you don't need it. Get rid of it. And I know that sometimes that feels like, well, I'm a better writer if I use more words, if I use more big words, if I use more adjectives. Not necessarily. Uh, your technical writing experts will tell you the best writing is the simplest writing, is the shortest sentence. And someone much smarter and more famous than me, and I don't know, maybe it was Mark Twain, uh, and the quote is something like, I would have written less if I had more time. Because the easy thing to do is to use a lot of words. Yep, just to edit it out. Exactly. My mom was an English teacher, so uh, she, would, she would constantly go through my essays. Yeah. And I would say to her, but mom, it has to be a 300-word essay. And she said, well, they're not doing you any favors because you can say this in 200. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to close with, um, or actually ask you to share something um, as we close. I love your mantra, and I was wondering if you'd be able to, you know, share your mantra sure. and and really just why and how it became your mantra and why, like, what does it mean? Just go into a little depth. Well, so uh, words that I try and live by are uh, what you focus on expands in your life. Now, I have to give credit to Wayne Dyer, who great speaker, great writer, and and that's my. Uh, that's my interpretation of one of his key points. Okay. Whatever we focus our energy on, that is the time that we spend thinking about something and the time that we spend acting with something, mm -hmm. that's where we're focusing our energy. That will expand in our life. So here's an example. If, um, it, it, if what I'm focusing on are my bad nutrition habits then I'm, I'm going to spend more and more time thinking about all my bad nutrition habits and not focusing on better nutrition habits. If I spend all my time focusing on something that's negative in my life, that will expand in my life. It is true. It has been true in my life and it has been true in so many other people's lives that I've talked about. But if we focus on what is positive in our life. If we, if we focus on what we want to be, mm -hmm. who we want to be, that is what will expand in our life. So we often have conversations around my house and 17-year-old son will roll his eyes and tell you, yes, <laughs> yes, that's right. But when he focuses on how much homework he has to do and how much he hates his AP chemistry and so forth and so on, it overtakes his evening. Mm -hmm. Instead of focusing on something positive that, uh, you know, maybe the positive is when he does well on this test, then he gets that much closer to getting that many more AP credits, that much closer to getting that many more college credits. What you focus on expands in your life. Good advice for anybody. Yeah. So, well, Beth, this has been wonderful, really helpful. Um, I asked the same question to kind of close, which is the title of this podcast is The Competitive Advantage. Really trying to help students gain a competitive advantage in their lives. And uh, I think your pod, your, the information you provided today is, uh, I think will be very, very helpful to our listeners. So thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. 
We hope you enjoyed today's edition of The Competitive Advantage. Please be sure to click on the show notes for supplementary materials and helpful links to more information from today's podcast. We want to make this as interactive and as valuable as possible. So if you have any questions, comments, feedback, or ideas for future episodes, please email us at podcast at alterhs.org. Thank you again for joining us.